0: What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just entered my Captain's Quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, I talk about my favorite game announcement from last week's PlayStation State of Play event. So let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, this past week was the latest PlayStation State of Play event, and it was all about third party games coming to PlayStation consoles. Now, I will go ahead and say that in my opinion, this state of play was not a major AAA blockbusters lining from the beginning to the end, the show kind of reveal situation here, but I will say there was some cool stuff that they announced here. One game in particular that really stood out above the rest for me due to my love of this series. And that's the first game I'm going to talk about here, and that is Star Ocean, the Divine Force. The newest entry in the long-running series, and I got to tell you, I am absolutely stoked to get my hands on a DualSense controller and play this game. Now, I love this series. I first was introduced to it to give you a little Tiny little backstory here, little hulking Yoda from back in the day. I'm graduating school, it's probably uh, the summer, beginning of the summer of my, in between my ninth and 10th grade years, and my mom decided she'd allow me to go pick out a game at Toys R Us. So, guess what? I go, I'm looking in the game aisle, those of you who are old enough to remember Toys R Us and the way that at one point in time they had their games where you could purchase them, they had these little tickets and sleeves that had pictures of the game covers and the back of the game cover boxes and bottom line as you go through you look at them you decide what you want you grab a ticket you take it up front they give you the game well i'm sitting there and i'm going through the different game selection and lo and behold something stood out to me it was a game called Star Ocean the Second Story and guys I had just that past Christmas gotten Final Fantasy 7 and for the first time fully understood what JRPG and really RPG meant and what it could mean and I was obsessed with Final Fantasy 7 and I wanted something like that to play throughout the summer when I had all that free time to myself So I jumped at Star Ocean, the second story. And guys, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And over the years since then, I haven't been as faithful to the series as I would have preferred to have been. But I did jump on The Last Hope when it came out on 360. I did have Integrity and Faithlessness when it came out on PS4. But to really dig into these games, this is what I want to do with the Divine Force. So the trailer that we saw, it showed off some gameplay footage that was captured on PS5, and guys, it looked great. Visually, the different planets that we're going to travel to, they look fantastic and extremely unique from one another. And if you never played Star Ocean, think of it as a science fiction slash fantasy role-playing game. It's third person. It's traveling the galaxy in a ship. Doing different things on planets that are very reminiscent of old school fantasy medieval style RPG settings mixed in with the fantastical sci-fi futuristic kind of looks as well. So it's that perfect mesh of two of my favorite genres in any medium. So as far as the planets, you know, we got one moment we're looking at this massive epic looking city. Then you're transitioning to this massive open world area that looks to be full of vegetation and mountains and enemies to fight. It also looks pretty insane in this game how you're going to get around these large planetary areas. A lot of the traversal look like it's going to be in the form of flying by your character that is flying. So whichever character you're controlling at the time, it seems like they're going to have that ability. And that's pretty crazy. You can just kind of jump up in the air and zoom around and that's pretty cool. Uh, I got to say that's actually pretty, pretty cool, but it also lends itself to these worlds and these areas look to be pretty massive to explore, and I can't wait. Now, I will say that this also is going to be playing into combat, in a sense, because the enemies that you're going to fight in this game, they are all right there in the overworld. You don't have to go to a transitional battle scene or... Anything like that, they're right there for you to just jump in and start fighting and attacking. So you could be flying around, see some enemies down below, and in the trailer we see this kind of a ground-pound move that acts as a surprise attack on these enemies, which if you played mini-JRPG, you'll know that that gives you uh, an extra hit and maybe a staggering effect against the enemy. So definitely looks like it's going to be really, really cool. I will say that... The combat itself looked very similar to the Star Ocean series. If you've ever played any of those games, you'll know what I'm saying. There's no random battles again. It's fast-paced, it's real-time, and full of what looks to be really nice-looking special effects when you're using abilities and spells. It just looks like a lot of fun. Uh, It's the best way I can know how to describe it. Now, as for the story for this game, we very briefly see that there are two main characters that you can choose to play as, And they are Raymond and Leticia. Raymond is from an advanced civilization and the captain of the space trading ship, Yidis. Leticia, meanwhile, she is a princess knight from a kingdom on an underdeveloped planet. And when they meet, the fate of the galaxy will change forever, according to the press release from Square Enix. Now, you'll have the option at the beginning of the game of which character that you'd like to play as. And of course, guys, this decision will be affecting which allies that you'll have during your playthrough, as well as plot threads and the ending that you get. We did not, unfortunately, get an exact release date, but the game will release on PS5 and PS4, obviously. But even though it was at a PlayStation State of Play event and we haven't seen the Integrity and Faithlessness title come to the Series X... Uh, we will be seeing this title uh, release on all Xbox consoles and Steam. And guys, I can't wait. Now, the second title that they discussed at the PlayStation State of Play event that really caught my eye, raised both my eyebrows, actually, it's a game called Little Devil Inside. And I hadn't really looked into this game or heard too much detail about it until I looked more into it after seeing it announced at this event. And it's a very extremely unique looking game. It plays from a 2D side-scrolling perspective when you're in the actual, I guess, literal game world. Now, when you're on the overworld and the overworld map as you're traveling from village to village and job to job, it's actually from a top-down perspective. And everything is 3D polygonal. There's no sprite-based character models or pre-rendered backgrounds. And the graphics are beautiful. I mean, these 3D polygonal graphics are absolutely stunning in the way that their detail is in the environments, whether it's interior or exterior. The character models, they are kind of cartoonish, but they look very good, if that makes sense as well. They're not cell shaded They are just straight polygons. And they looked really, really good in the trailer that I did see. And it looks like we're playing as this adventurer or hunter who is going from job to job and he gets a letter delivered to him at the train station the beginning of this trailer. And he takes the train to the location to deliver the letter. And there's supposed to be a job waiting for him at this creepy-looking mansion. And when he goes to the door of the, of the mansion, and the person who answers the door lets him in, he leads him to the room where supposedly this job is going to be, and there's a betrayal. He gets knocked down into this kind of a pit And let's just say that craziness seems to ensue afterwards and these really weird grayish white creatures start popping up all over the land and attacking him and chasing him. And combat looks very interesting as well. Uh, Your character has a sword and you can impale and then fling enemies into other enemies and cause extra damage in that way. just looks very interesting. And I really want to see more about this game and look more into it It's supposed to come out sometime next year in 2022, so there is definitely time to look more into it, find out more about it, but it definitely intrigues me. So those were the two games that really stood out to me at last week's PlayStation State of Play event. Now let's go open up my Captain's Log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, as I sit here and open up my Captain's Log and look at the games that I played this past week... The first game I want to throw out there to you guys is House of Ashes, the next Dark Pictures anthology title, the third one so far in the series, and apparently the third of four in Season 1, as they did just recently announce Supermassive Games, the developer that is, that the next title in the series, The Devil in Me, is going to be the season finale of Season 1. So very interesting stuff to look forward to there, but as far as House of Ashes, I did play and complete a playthrough of that game this past week and given that I did just complete the game I will not go into too many details here in this segment as I will leave the bulk of that detail to my review which will be out very very soon hopefully. A few things that I do want to share with you about the game though just in case you're wondering if it's worth checking out if it's better or worse than the other previous two titles in the Dark Pictures Anthology Without going into all those beautiful details, let me just say that, man, I loved this game. It was excellent. I actually think that it probably is my favorite so far of the three games released in the series. And I'll go into more details about character development and the way the story panned out and things like that in my review. But let me just say that they definitely, Supermassive that is, refined everything, to be honest with you. And I feel like they're kind of hitting their stride in their development of these types of games. And it was it was just a lot of fun. It was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had uh, in gaming recently. So definitely keep an eye out for that review. I can't wait to get it out there to you guys so that I can go into the details. Because those of you that know me know that I love the details. Now, the other game that I did play this past week, of course, I'm still continuing my Assassin's Creed Valhalla saga And I am just shy. I am approaching 189 hours in this game. And it's amazing to me and a testament to how good the game is, in my opinion, that I'm still enjoying it and still this invested in the game almost a year later. It is now eight days away from the release of this episode since this game released a year ago. And I'm still as into it as I am. So I obviously was at the very end, if you've been following the show, you'll know I was at the very end of the story arc in the region of Suffix. So what I was able to do in this past week was complete that story arc. And man, there was a lot of really good stuff that happened in the main core plot thread and the overall plot of the story arc carrying the entire game. Wow, is all I will say. I can't wait to see what other secrets happen to unfold and be unlocked as I continue and make my way towards the end of this game, which is very exciting for me. 71% complete is where the stat screen on the Xbox shows that I'm at. So, I'm I'm in the end game now and that's a beautiful beautiful feeling. But my most favorite game that I played this past week, it was hands down the 3 hours or so that I was able to invest and The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD on my brand new Nintendo Switch OLED. Gamers, I absolutely love the Zelda series. I've been a lifelong fan, and it has been since Twilight Princess on the Wii that I've actually played a real major entry in the Zelda series. I still had not played Breath of the Wild. Obviously, I didn't have a Switch until just a couple of weeks ago, So, for me to finally get my hands on a full-fledged Zelda, especially one that I missed all those years ago, I was super stoked to get into this game. And I gotta tell you, I have not been disappointed. The character models, graphically, we'll talk about that real quick, I just want to say are absolutely beautiful and stunning in this game. and The colors are so bright and vibrant and pop beautifully on the Switch OLED screen, as well as on the TV. The biggest thing I noticed, though, was the contrast in the quality of graphics between the character models and the environments. Now, look, I get it. This game was developed for the Wii U a couple generations ago. I get that, but and don't get me wrong. I want to clarify the environment graphics. They are not bad, but they do contrast with the character models as well as just kind of stand out for being. They almost have that paintbrush smudged look that I've talked about before in certain reviews of other games that have this kind of issue when it comes to environmental graphics and the details that are kind of lacking there. But I got to tell you, the attempt at detail is definitely here. And it's still beautiful in its own way, if that makes sense. And I've only been in one area so far in that three hours. That three hours has been a wonderful time exploring the village of Skyloft. I would essentially say this is the prologue of the game. And Skyloft is where Link and Zelda and all these other different people who reside there call home. And I love the way that the village has this kind of a a lore and history built into it. And the fact that it seems very isolated from the entirety of the rest of existence below it. Because Skyloft, as its name would suggest, is settled above the clouds. So according to the people who live here and the way that they've been raised and almost the religion that they've come to believe and confide in, you can't go below the clouds. It's unwritten what's below the clouds. And I am just really intrigued by what is below those clouds. My assumption would obviously be Hyrule. I don't know the details of this story, obviously. I haven't played it. Didn't want to spoil anything for myself all those years ago, so didn't read into it since its release initially on the Wii U. But I cannot wait to get down there. I am at the point where I'm pretty much... That's the next thing I have to do is take a dive and take a a leap of faith, so to speak, to kind of quote an Assassin's Creed uh, line here and go below the clouds. But I love what they've done. The relationship between Zelda and Link in this game already has been just excellent. And the Loftwing, the creature of the Loftwing, is just really awesome. And I immediately fell in love with... And the developers at nintendo do a great job of just kind of making you feel almost immediately again the attachment to this creature each person has their own individual loft wing and it's this giant bird like creature that you can fly around and there's this really cool uh, race that you have to do at the beginning of the game and i ah, just just it controls excellently it's a lot of fun it's just so much cool stuff going on here uh, I loved the way that they introduced combat into the game with the sparring room and just the way the teacher was coaching you on how to use the different motion controls which motion controls I want to put that put that out there again the game was originally developed for the Wii U which was real big obviously on motion control and you got to think when Link is swinging a sword or is you know the camera you're trying to move around you can move and tilt the switch in handheld mode to move that camera Uh, as well as use the analog stick in this game for his attacks with his sword. But you can just kind of tell the animations, as well as the way the feel of the attacks are. It was initially, it was built for motion controls. It doesn't take away from the game. I've gotten used to it, and I'm good with it at this point. But it definitely, it stands out to me, and it's very interesting to take note of that. So, bottom line is, three hours in, Clearly, it's the very beginning of this game. Haven't even scratched the surface of the surface of this game. I just can't wait to continue playing it. Absolutely loved it. So that's what I've been up to this past week in my Captain's Log. Now, let's go see what my highlight of the week was. Gamers, with the great experience that I had this past week in Zelda and just continuing to love Assassin's Creed as well as House of Ashes being as great as it was... It may come as a shock to you that my highlight of the week this week is not a specific moment from any of those games, but it is in fact finally being able to say that I'm a Nintendo Switch owner and getting to enjoy and play around with and set up my Switch for the first time. It was amazing. I have not had a Nintendo Switch as long as the console has been around Didn't get an original one, didn't get the Switch Lite, and finally when they announced the Switch OLED, I said, you know what, it is time. I am getting this. And I won't go into too many details here in this segment in the episode because I really do want to do a dedicated episode to my first week or so of experience with the console, just like I did when I first got the Series X as well as the PS5. You guys can check those episodes out if you'd like. Uh, They're definitely available right here on Anchor, any platform that you're listening on. But man, I just I got to put it out there that I absolutely loved my experience setting up my profile and finding out that guys, Nintendo Online is only twenty bucks for the whole year. It's like wow, this is <laughs> this is not bad at all. I'm used to paying sixty bucks a year for, uh, you know, Xbox Live or PlayStation Network or whatever it may be. So twenty bucks and you know the Nintendo 64 expansion pack for online games for a handful of them anyways just started. So it's a lot of new stuff going on at once and just kind of experiencing not just the, that network aspect of it, but also the hardware and getting to you know, know that it's not just a, a friends that I'm borrowing or playing or trying out at a store or anything like that. Like, no, this is, this is my console. This is awesome. This is great. And just kind of seeing what it feels like to transition from docking to undocking and playing handheld and all these different things. It's just It's been a real blast and I can't wait to go into detail with you on all those experiences in that episode which is hopefully coming out sooner than later but that was my highlight of the week now let's check out some buried treasure gaming tips that i have for you in house of ashes gamers when it comes to quick time events and time decisions as far as who's gonna live or die in supermassives games the dark pictures anthology until dawn any of them it can be kind of brutal with the limited timing you have to make that quick decision. So what I want to let you know about if you are kind of apprehensive of these games or you haven't tried them out yet for that reason, or if you have, but you didn't like the fact that, it's, ah, man, you, you're you stuck with that decision. I mean, they do a great job from a developer standpoint of trying to block you from being able to do quick reloads or things of that nature. So just putting it out there, checkpoints and saves in House of Ashes I want to give you a kind of an idea of what you can do as an option if you did not like an outcome of a decision or a scenario. Or maybe like I did the one time. It was It was so frustrating. There was one time I absolutely messed up on a button press and I was like, nope, this is not happening. This is not right. And I ended up having to reload. So what you can do is initially because Supermassive is so good at where they have their checkpoints and they save everything like right there as you make a decision or don't or mess up on a button prompt, what you have to do is they do have from the main menu an option to either replay a scene or reload a save. Now, I will say that typically when you reload a save, it's just gonna load you right back up to that exact second that that decision or prompt was made and and or missed. So what you want to do is you want to reload the scene. Now, if you reload that scene, it's going to start you back at the beginning of it, obviously. And every decision and prompt and everything up to that point, you're still going to have saved the way that it happened. So you just have to worry about continuing forward. Luckily for me, where I reloaded the scenario, it was at the very beginning of it. So I didn't have to play this whole scene out to see the outcome that is what I was looking for. But if you're just curious about a character death that you didn't want to have happen, or if you did want to have one happen, you can just easily load up the scene. And you'll be able to go right back and try it out a different way. There are tons of branching paths in the game, so this will make it a lot easier for you if you want to go after achievements or trophies, or if you're just curious and want to see what happens to these characters. So that's my buried treasure gaming tip for the week. Now let's go check out my Captain's Decree. This past week, after having spent probably right at seven hours or so playing through House of Ashes... And given the context of what House of Ashes is, is, and I I won't go into that because I don't want to spoil anything for you guys if you're planning on playing it, but it got me thinking. Supermassive, the developer, I really do feel they should branch out from horror into other genres after they finish up the Dark Pictures anthology. Or, you know, you finish season one with the devil in me. And maybe you take a break from horror and do something else. It doesn't have to be an anthology. Just maybe a, a one game and see what happens. But I think they should break out of that genre of horror. And specifically, I think it would be awesome if they transitioned to the adventure or action-adventure genre. As in kind of an Indiana Jones, 1930s-style serial. So let me just say that again, without giving anything away, playing House of Ashes, it really solidified for me that Supermassive is absolutely capable of delivering on those type of environments and that type of action. So instead of being about death and horror all the time, it could be about adventure and puzzles and traps and maybe some more added exploration to the environments. Not full-on open areas now, Still keep the linearity of the Dark Pictures games and Until Dawn, but expand it just enough to kind of flesh out that exploration piece. Now, typically in a supermassive game, it's also about keeping a party of five alive. And in this game, that could still be the case. You could maybe do a story where you have a whole expedition party that's come together to excavate this area or this temple or these ruins, or whatever it may be. And those are the five characters that you control and you alternate between as you progress through the game. Now, you can have them split up at different points or uh, have moments where they stay together, obviously. But whatever ruins or areas that you're exploring, they're going to, of course, be armed with booby traps, which Causes death to these characters. So you still have that added tension the whole time you're playing of losing one of these characters and trying to get to the end without anybody dying because you're going to have those booby traps. You're going to have traversal deaths like missing a jump over a chasm or the rope that you're climbing on snaps and you fall and plunge to your death. Getting the solution to a temple puzzle wrong and there being some kind of poison trap or a spike or something like that. All these kinds of things, I think, would lend themselves perfectly to the gameplay style that Supermassive puts on hand every single entry that they put out. So for me, I think it will be a lot of fun and also a fresh take and setting for this style of gameplay. It really gives Supermassive a break from the horror genre. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo networks. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at at gmail.com, as well as find me on social media on Instagram at at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at at lostatseagaming. the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.